0: fucking warehouse. I'll tell you a couple of things, a couple of community-wide announcements. First of all, Easter weekend's coming up. Death, Beauty, Rescue. It's uh, three distinct events that actually fit together. Friday night, our Tenebrae service, a night of original song, original art, all designed to communicate some of the ethos, the feel of Jesus's death on the cross, going through the seven things that are recorded that he said on the cross. It's a powerful event. They're also, for the first time, we'll be having a Kids, uh, kids Tenebrae in our kids' warehouse, and so if you've got kids, you feel free to bring them that night. But It's a great service. All three of these events are designed for our growth, our engagement, but also to reach out to your friends, neighbors, people in the community. Second one is Saturday Night, our gallery show featuring the music group Seahorses, as well as some fantastic art from Artworks 945 in collaboration with uh, Urban Ministry Center's attempt to work on eliminating the homeless problem. That's Saturday night. There is no agenda, no program. It is simply art and music. It'll be a great event Sunday morning, our Easter service. Multiple people will be baptized. There'll be some wonderful music. And it's a, um, a time when lots of people in America think about coming to church. And so think about the friends in your life and which which one of these things might most speak to where they are, their questions, their their issues, their wonderings, their joys. And uh, think about who you're going to bring to those events. Death, Beauty, Rescue, three events, Easter weekend. Uh, Secondly, we have um, a warehouse we do service. We serve in a variety of ways, not to get brownie points, not uh, to somehow curry favor with God, but because there's need around us and we delight in weighing in. And right now, there are a number of uh, volunteer opportunities available at Warehouse. We have lots of people who serve here, but there are a number of openings right now. And for example, I'm here on stage doing the orientation because Mark, who is going to do the orientation, is in the parking lot because we're two people short this morning and our parking crew. We have lots of opportunities from parking, coffee, to homeless ministry, to working with children, all sorts of ways that you can get involved, get in the game. It's a great way, a tried-and-true way at Warehouse of getting involved in community, of utilizing your gifts, and really experiencing some of the pleasure of serving others and walking before God in a profound way, getting outside of yourself. I encourage you. There's a place for you at Warehouse to serve. And contact us at service at warehouse242.org. Love requires courage. Pity doesn't. Pontificating doesn't. Love does. Because love often calls us, asks us, to do things that don't seem required, that we could get away with not doing, that it would be safer not to do. Love requires us to push in and go beyond the bounds of what's within our rights. Obligations and duties. This morning we're going to look at a letter, literally, a letter in the Bible that a guy gets who is struck with a thought, a concept about love that, quite honestly, he hadn't considered before. We've been looking at a book called Philemon. I just called it a book, but it's really a letter. See, it's really interesting. Today, you're going to read an entire book of the Bible. It's a letter to one guy called philemon now if i'm pronouncing that correctly well there's no way to tell because you can pronounce philemon any way you want because it's written in koine greek koine greek is a dead language which means nobody speaks it which means we have no idea how to pronounce it so you can pronounce it any way you like today i'm going to pronounce it philemon so i'm going to give you his backstory and quite honestly when i give you philemon's backstory in the letter that he gives i'm having to speculate just a little bit there's some good reasons for my speculation and if it's not exactly true, it's in the realm of true. It's true-ish about who he was when he got this letter. You see, Philemon was a decent man. He was also a relatively wealthy man. He was doing well in the Roman Empire. And in the course of his life, while plugging away and making some cash, and he also was introduced to a new faith called Christianity. And it revolutionized his life. And so he was now a prosperous man who also followed Jesus. And I think, likely, he was a pretty good man. He was led to a relationship with Jesus through a man named Paul, one of the most influential, if not the most influential, of the early church leaders. And Philemon rose quickly in leadership. And before long, the church actually met in his home. Philemon was challenged by his new found faith. He was wealthy, and part of wealth in the Roman Empire meant that he had slaves. Everybody did. It's no big deal. It was part of the economic system. In the Roman Empire, slavery was debt slavery. What that meant was if somebody owed you and they couldn't pay you back, they became your slave for a period of time. It was normal. It's just the way business was done. Philemon had every right to to have slaves. He also had every right to treat them any way he wanted to. There was no law against any action he took. If they were disobedient, if they ran away, he could do anything from starve them, torture them, or kill them. It was up to him. It was his right, his legal right. I think Philemon sat down at some point and thought, I want to separate myself from how other people live. I want to I want to live well with this newfound faith, this relationship I have with God, and so perhaps I should treat my slaves differently. Perhaps I need to set myself apart as somebody who loves them and cares for them some, and I'm going to be a kinder, gentler despot. I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to separate myself from the crowd, and other people will see that my heart is really God's, that I'm coming alive and awake and so I treat my, treat my slaves differently than others, except except that guy Onesimus, who ran away, who trumped on my gratitude, on my graciousness, and he ran away. Sent him on an errand, which I've done with lots of slaves. They're supposed to come back. And he didn't. Sort of irritated him. Stuck in his craw. And then one day, Philemon gets a letter. It's from Paul. This is a big deal. Philemon's getting a letter from Paul. He's the leader, seriously. He's a big shot. And he's writing a handwritten letter to Philemon. So Philemon takes that letter up and he begins to read. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphi, our sister and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. <clears throat> Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. So far, so good. Paul's thinking pretty highly of me. Therefore, I think we're going to get a shift here. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet... I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's literally a prisoner, by the way. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now has become useful both to you and to me. It's a play on words. Onesimus means useful. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to have kept him with me so that he could take your place in helping me While I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him, As you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. (laughs) Subtle, eh? I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you, knowing you'll do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to restore it to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, send you his greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Seriously, Paul. You want me You want me not only not to beat the crap out of him which I have every right to do. You want me to release him? I don't have to do that. No one can require me in this Roman Empire. We're still in the Roman Empire, aren't we? Where people can do what they want. Nobody can require this of me. And that's what you want. Set him free. So I'm going to reward him for running away. That's what you want. See, I wonder what went on in his head. I wonder what went on as he got this letter and he was challenged to do something far beyond what he thought he was going to have to do. Love requires courage because it moves past the normal expectations and challenges to venture into all new areas. For example, I want you to imagine, here's what we have. We have a letter. We don't have what happens. We don't have the rest of the story. We just have a letter. But imagine, if you will, that both Onesimus and Philemon do what's asked. You see, Onesimus, the runaway slave, is being asked to do something too. He's being asked to go back. He's being asked to go back to someone who's been asked to be nice to him, but who has the right to torture him or kill him. And Paul's looking at him and saying, Inesimus, go back. Paul, (laughs) not sure you're seeing this correctly. You see, he can kill me. Could you just tell him to let me go? Could you just tell him that slavery is wrong, that he ought not be doing this? Could you just do that? For some reason, Paul doesn't. For some reason, he doesn't say, Philemon, slavery is wrong. Let's crush it. He says, I want you to forgive this person right here. I want you to set him free. I want you to not let him be a slave. You see, this letter was very controversial during abolition because those who were saying slavery is fine quoted this letter and say, see, Even Paul didn't say slavery was wrong. He just said, let this one guy go. It's a personal matter. Why didn't he just say slavery is wrong? Because he was giving an actual instruction on how to love people. And so Onesimus was sent back in order to bridge the gap and to restore the relationship, and it was going to require courage from him. Now, imagine Philemon. Let's say he decides to do this. Let's say he decides to set Onesimus free. Then he's standing there on his porch with his friends, and they're talking one day, and they say, Oh, hey, Philemon, I noticed Onesimus came back. What did you do? I let him go. You let him go? Yeah, I let him go. Why? Don't you know what this is going to do? What did your other slaves say? What are my slaves going to say when they hear about this? Do you realize what you've done? This isn't just a personal matter. This affects how we do business. What were you thinking? And hopefully, Philemon didn't say, well, Paul told me to. Hopefully, he said something courageous about what love looks like. Okay, so there's this letter to a guy a long time ago in the Roman Empire about slavery. And we could look at that and go, boy, I sure hope Philemon got it. I sure hope he did the right thing here and let his slave go, and all the rest of them too. But the challenge doesn't end at Philemon, it's for you and I. You see, what do we do? What do we do when we are perfectly within our rights not to act, and yet love seems to require something more. It's really easy to say what we ought to do. It's really easy to crusade for something. It's far easier to say that slavery is wrong than to actually act in a liberating way. For example, Thomas Jefferson, who may have been a decent human being. I don't know. He wrote some good stuff. However, Thomas Jefferson lived a life that was a conundrum, a trap, perplexing. He thought slavery was wrong, and yet he never released his slaves. Why? Because releasing his slaves would have cost him dearly. Thomas Jefferson was in massive debt. And if he released his slaves, he couldn't figure out how he could keep his plantation running. And so people thought... In the end, when Thomas Jefferson, at least when he died, he would set his slaves free. I mean, lots of people did that, but he didn't. He sold them because he had to pay off his debts. It's really easy to crusade. It's not so easy to live a life of love. For example, there are homeless people, and today I could tell you homelessness is bad now all of you should nod your heads at that and say you know it he is right homelessness is bad let's let's have a march let's walk the streets we'll even make some really cool signs with homes on them homes for everybody wait let's let's go on twitter let's tweet it homelessness is bad End homelessness today. We can go on Facebook. There is so much good we can do today. Let's take a stand against homelessness. Okay. But what about the homeless person? What about the person who actually is before you? You see, it's really easy for any of us to take stands, to say what we believe, to make statements, to put in some time, to put in some hours. But that's not love. Here is the scary thing, and it's the thing, quite honestly, that bothers me about Jesus. He doesn't seem to give appropriate limits. He doesn't seem to understand what our life is like. And so he asks this thing, and he of leaves them open-ended. For example, why can't I live my day and go, two hours today? I'm going to devote myself to loving people for two hours. Now, that's not bad. Seriously. You know, I'm not sure you will. Two hours. That's a big deal. So if I go to my Bible and look at Jesus, and he says, love your neighbor, does he tell me how much? Two hours. Does he look at me and say, two hours? Bruce, you are awesome. (laughs) No, he's asked. Somebody says to him one day, what am I supposed to do? He said, it's really easy. Love God, love others. And he said, well, give me a little more. Well, love your neighbor as yourself. I, I don't understand. Who's my neighbor? Seriously, I got I to pencil this stuff in. Who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells a story, and the upstart of the story is, your neighbor is whoever is in need that's before you. Okay, that's just not that helpful. <laughs> How do I limit that? How do I bring that down into manageable chunks? Whoever is before you, who's in need, is your neighbor. That could be people living in my house. That could be my neighbor, literally. It could be you. It could be a homeless woman. It could be a starving child. It could be somebody who has AIDS. How in the world am I going to manage this love? And where will I get the courage to actually weigh into people's lives? Where am I going to get the courage to walk into people's grief and care for them? Where am I going to get the courage to walk back in when everything within me says, I've done enough? Nobody would, who can say I haven't tried? I've done enough. I've tried to restore that relationship. My hands are clean. What more could I have done? He doesn't give me any limits. He just says, love people around you. See what the need is and, and weigh in. So if Philemon gets this letter. And it's not just that he's supposed to relieve, release Onesimus, but then he has to think, well, what does this mean for the rest of my slaves? If I'm supposed to care about Onesimus' life and set him free, what else could that mean? That would be the right question. To love other people is the messiest thing that we will ever engage in. It doesn't have any nice, neat parameters. It really require us to go beyond what we think is right. Certainly what's beyond obligatory. I don't know about you but I I like to manage my love into nice chunks. I like to separate my life. I like to not have it invaded. I would like to not walk by the road and see somebody bleeding on the side. I think I'd rather take another route because I've put in my time. Love requires the courage to face the need before us. Love requires the courage to, some days, not stop. To other days, because God is not a taskmaster who wants you to be free, there will be days when he simply wants you to rest, to recuperate. But there will be times when it'll feel like to love other people doesn't have an end to it because to love other people doesn't have an end to it. Love requires courage. It is the calling of the Christian life. Don't, don't mistake it. The calling of the Christian life is not to hold the correct beliefs. I am not despising beliefs. I'm not minimizing them. But you really can't find that. It is not to have the right beliefs. It is not to say the right things to the right people at the right time. It is not to take the right stands. All those things may be fine, but when you distill it all down, at least when Jesus did, when he distilled it all sound, he said, this is all it is. Love God, love others. Ba-boom. Give yourself to that. That will be a full life and it will require of you much because it will require your heart and your soul. It will require you to wade into people's lives and sometimes to feel their pain when you don't want to feel into pain. It'll require you to say and do and act in ways that people will tell you you don't have to do. When everything else in the culture will tell you, no, 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 protect yourself, guard your own life. When everybody would tell you you could take a pass. Love will call you to step beyond that. Thank God we have a God who did the same thing. Can you imagine if what Jesus did is he said, Okay, he got to 24 years old and he said, you know what? 24 years I've put in already. That is more than enough. I've given my days. 20, I'm, you know, that's plenty. Could anybody really say I haven't done enough? I've given 24 years. Okay, 28, I'll go to 28. 31, that's it. Could anybody accuse him of saying, no, you didn't do enough? Thank God we have a God who said not... Well, what is, how much do I put in so that people will still think I'm a good God? How much must I do to look good, to seem appropriate, to seem loving? Thank God we have a Savior who said, what do these people need? They need forgiveness. They need beauty to be restored to their soul. And so they need a Savior. They need one who will see them love them, die for them, rise for them, and awake them so that they can live not pretty good lives, not fine-tuned lives, but lives of beauty and wholeness. Thank God we have a Savior who chose to live a life of love to set us free so that now I am not bound by duty or obligation I am not bound by anybody's, by any cultures, by any society's parameters. I'm free, bound actually by nothing. Called to walk alongside a God who loves me and says, let's love others together, shall we? This is your calling. That's when your life comes alive. That's what's before you today. I encourage you to engage, to weigh in. Those moments when you're struck with, it seems like more than you would have bargained for, it's probably the moment of love. Today, we go to communion. And in it, the story goes like this. The night Jesus was betrayed, as he sat with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it. He says, see this body? It's going to be broken for you. They didn't get it. They really wanted him to say, see this bread, it's a metaphor about how much I'm going to feed people in the next couple of weeks and restore a kingdom and all that sort of stuff. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. At the end of supper, he took a cup and he said, "This, see this cup of wine? This represents a new agreement between God and humanity. Drink it for the forgiveness of your sins. In doing so, he called it shot and said that what he would do the very next day is that he would love you and I with whatever it took to meet our need. And so now we can wade into that and be alive because love conquers everything. This morning, I invite you in. If you are somebody, regardless of whatever else weaves along in your heart and mind, if you are somebody who believes and wants simply, to be in a relationship with the God, to be forgiven and to be led in the path of loving others and loving Him, then come on forward and join us as we take communion. If today you realize that's what you want, then come on forward and join us for communion. And let this be a moment where you are refreshed and empowered with the passion and the grace of Jesus Christ for you. I'm going to have the Uh, communion servers come forward and I'm going to serve them in just a moment. Let me remind you and tell you for the first time, if you're new here, how we do communion at Warehouse. After I serve the communion servers, they will move to five stations around the room. And as they get there, you may make your way to any of those stations. They will gather you into a group of about 12. They will serve you, pray with you. You will eat together and then you can make your way back to your seat. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, would you meet us here in this moment? Meet us here with your grace and with the marvelous challenge of living a life of love. We want to live beyond the boundaries. Not compelled nor limited by our societal norms or our own inhibitions, but free. Free to be loved, free to love. That would be great. Let this time be one moment that spurs us farther along. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a couple of moments to pray. Think while I serve the communion service.